Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. Welcome to the Dog Show 9000, the official podcast of the 1-900 Hot Dog Hilarity webpage. I'm TV Sean Baby from the internet. With me is my partner and website. He's the Trex fan with the facts man, Robert Brockway. I'm Robert Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. It's a simple one. I once robbed an Arby's. No follow-up questions. God, I had so many follow-up questions. Our, uh, our guest today, you all probably know, he's a novelist. The writer of John Dies at the End, which was made into a film starring Paul Giamatti, and his new book, Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick, available now everywhere you get books. The wise Yoda of the cracked golden age, Jason Pargen. Here to ruin the vibe again of the dog zone. (laughs) And I I don't know if I I feel like the listeners, I feel like it's my high school all over again, where every time I came past a group, I could just see them like, oh, Jesus, here he comes. This guy, uh, like he's here to ruin the vibe. It's like he doesn't he doesn't laugh at our jokes, and we don't laugh at his. And here, the dog zone is where people come to relax and to have fun right. and to make fun of bad. But you guys consistently pick topics to have me on that are things you know upset me on like an <laughs> unironic level. It's the secret uh, so of good podcasting is just so outright harassment. There's always a point where I I'm like so upset that I'm not even thinking of jokes anymore. So yeah, again, uh, yeah, once once we ta- get into the main subject, everyone will understand why what I'm talking about because I'm going to get wind up getting mad about the industry again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I there's nothing we can do about it. This is these are the only conversations I have with people other than my wife and my dog. So it has to come out in podcast form. That's perfect. You know, you said something the other day. That was really funny. I, I posted a collection of my man comics on the uh, 100 hot dog. And they're these things I'm very proud of. And they're really dense. And, uh, and, and there's one that, uh, that you pointed out. You're like, this has like fucking 24 punchlines on it. And it like pissed you off about the industry. And I thought it was really funny how you went from zero to 60 about this thing that clearly brought you joy, but somehow still like made you angry about like the state of internet comedy. Yeah. It just makes us mad really now. I feel like the listeners don't understand why it makes me mad. The man <laughs> yeah. comics when I Explain. was an editor when I was an editor at Cracked, you gotta understand, as an editor, there's certain stuff that comes in that you know you're gonna have to put a lot of work into. And this is not any insult to the writers. Some articles are difficult. There's a ton of research, there's a ton mm-hmm. of fact checking, Brockway can verify this. Sean, you you edited the stuff for us. Of course. There's some, some drafts. Of, some of it's in English as a second language, some of it is not everyone is as smart as you and me. Yeah, but. and and that's what you get. Like even you know, I we paid a lot for this industry, and I felt like we were paying an insultingly small amount. Uh, okay, so like at sure. the time, like a beginner writer is one hundred fifty bucks. Now there's websites that pay fifteen dollars for that, right? For that length of content. But from my point of view, it's like that that this thing they wrote. I know it took them fifteen hours. We paid them one hundred fifty bucks. Like that's not that's not great. That's below minimum wage in some states. Okay. So it, it was a beggars can't be choosers type situation. So I didn't get mad at the drafts that, that took a lot of work. But but still, when you got stuff that you didn't have to mess with, that was a, a treasured moment. And when you got stuff that you just enjoyed reading, 
that was that's like it's like I'm getting paid. I'm getting to, I get to see this before anybody else, and I got you know, and, and I'm I'm getting paid for it. That so those are like. So the man comics, which those of you who somehow don't know but are listening to this, or or Sean would take these very old comics, scan the entire page, and then redub every pixel, <laughs> and build a, a an elaborate overlapping series of jokes and callbacks and backstories that seemed like it took him a year to put together. They they're by far the most labor intensive thing I you know ever did. They're awful. They're terrible. Just... <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and, yeah, Broadway, yeah, Broadway one, has unfortunately attempted to do yeah, that himself. I just in a monument to my own hubris. I I believe <laughs> I even suggested like let let's trade. Uh, let, let me do your Photoshop heavy, and me knowing very very little about Photoshop to this day, and so much less back then. Uh, and still, I was working a cracked full time at that point too. So I had my I had my edits. And then I had this column, this band comic switch, and then I had, I think, like a light workshop day. So I ended up putting, I think, about 100 hours into that man comics of trying to <laughs> stitch together That's... old comics and, and Photoshop them and put all the jokes in and, and work it all together. And then I had my normal... So I, I worked, like, probably 150 hours that week. And uh, you, you probably hated me for at least a year for that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, yeah, at, least, at least a year is a very polite way to put that. Uh <laughs> Still trying to get that revenge to this day. I'm so, watching out for it. As for an editor, still saying, well, why would this make you mad? Because I also was, at that point, toward the end, I was the guy in charge of programming the site. It used to be Jack O'Brien before he pulled the eject lever on his seat to, to fly out of the proverbial plane that was cracked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I took over. So I was programming the site, and I you're putting it together based on, like, you've got to meet traffic goals every day. That's what puts food on the table that's what keeps the lights on and on a day that we had man comics i had to find myself saying well we've got a man comics that's going to do a quarter of the traffic yep of a normal feature or column or just a straight up list so i'm going to pair that with something i know is going to hit big which is usually something that's you know that's either a long list of short entries or a really strong uh, like photoplasty contest or the image macro, the, the pictofacts that we did that people loved that were really like perfect mobile content. Um, or, or anything something, about celebrities. Anything about celebrities. <laughs> uh, You're right. You know, Every, without exception, almost, uh, the man comics were like the lowest performers of, of mine and, or, or anyone's on crack. Like, yeah, yeah and, quarter traffic. And I'm not I'm not mad at the cracked readers for this. The reason for this is because there was a shift in the industry and here I am freaking 7 minutes into your podcast using the phrase there was a You're shift still in, in your the industry. Intro. We're still in my <laughs> intro. And in, in the Dog Zone podcast I'm using the phrase there was a shift in the industry and where overnight, within about 18 months, all of the readers went from browsing on desktop to browsing on a phone. Mm-hmm. Man comics are impossible to read on a phone unless you are extremely dedicated. Yeah. Because you have to pinch zoom the whole thing. You can try it. Like you can pull up. It's all in one large thing. So on your phone, every inch of the text is unreadable. So you have to zoom, scroll, zoom, scroll. And it's yeah. laborious. And so I believe it fully rewards that effort. But I also know in this industry, when you're giving away content for free and you're trying to catch and grab people on social media who are just scrolling, 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 they are not going to stop and put in that effort. So 
this thing that was my favorite thing in the entire site that I knew you had put effort into. I do Photoshop work myself. I am slow at it. I like I can see what you did, like having to tilt text right. to make it fit and having to to word your and phrase your punchlines in a way that will make them fit into the tiny box right. for the font you've chosen. Like I could see the effort and then I can see that nobody's going to read it. So <laughs> so it it is it's wonderful. There's a place they can live now. I hope that the 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 hot dog readers now treasure them and appreciate. Like this is what my money is going toward. That it symbolizes what hurts so much about that industry because mm-hmm. it got toward the end where people only want stuff they can quickly scroll through, and that's right. That's rough if you care about detail. If you're if you're a craftsman in for this type of stuff, where you actually care about word choice and all that. And now we don't have to give a shit about traffic at all. And we don't. That's true. Brockway just did one on uh, a thing called Dick Fight Island, which was a Japanese comic book about men who fight with their dicks. But... Two-parter. Yes. But more sexual than that sounds because they weren't just smacking their dicks against each other. They were battling each other to, and the, the loser is the first one who climaxes. And it was... Kind of amazing. Like, you know, normally I, I see anime stuff like that and I'm like, yeah, I just turn my brain just turns it off. It's like, this is this is noise. But this was so compelling uh, because a, a lot of my uh, conflicts in real life are, are solved this way. And so for me, it was just something that I relate to really strongly. They're one sided fights, but uh, mm-hmm. but that's how you, that's how you get them out. I, I, and again, tying into what Jason was saying. Uh, I obviously I could have never done that on cracked. I could have done a third of that. And again, since it relies just solely on, on images that would have probably got copyright stricken, uh, which ties yep. again into the, the theme of this podcast, nobody would have let me do this. And instead I get to write, I believe over 5,000 words across the two parts yeah. about Dick fight Island, about just men fighting with dicks to see who comes last. This is the best job I've ever had. I want to say that that writing for one nine hundred hot dog is like where it's at. <laughs> Sean, if this is not the best job you've ever had, I cannot fathom. <laughs> what I can't fathom what job that would even be. You're your own boss. Yeah. Like I, I get that it could that it could pay more because it's what might seem like a huge amount of money in your Patreon. Like you're spreading it out to now several people. Like people have mm-hmm. to get that this is not. It's like well, yeah, well, why not? Super well. It's not the best paying job I've ever had, right. but it, by far, I wake up every day happy that that's what I'm doing with my yeah. day. Yeah, you literally answer to no one. Like, if you were not happy in this job, same thing, Brock Graham, same thing you. If you are if you find yourself miserable in this job, I'm going to tell you, you just can't be happy. <laughs> like, it's not going to get better than this unless you're doing the same thing five years from now, only making $50,000 a month. Like the, yeah, that's the, that's the goal. I'm going to get happier. With like the, the, the Chapo Trap House guys or whoever, whatever, however much they make on Patreon. Like, that's the only diff- thing that could happen. But if, if you find yourself, like, getting up mad every day, and think, ah, I got to crank out the hot dog article. Like, Imagine okay. feeling like you have to write about dicks. Like I, I found Dick Fight Island. I'm like, oh, and man. I, I, get, I hate to ask this question because I feel like it's going to take us to kind of a... I know you don't like to work blue on this show. Right. Yeah, we're very PG. When I was reading the Dick Fight Island thing, usually when I see like erotica or stuff that's like sexual, that's not for me. Like it's not... It's like clearly not my 
personal fetish, mm-hmm. I can usually still kind of tell where you're supposed to masturbate. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? It, it, yes. It, like I can tell like what's the like what's the thing like you like you're, I if think you're I on, see where you're going with this. You're you're clicking around, you know, it, like on like YouTube for instance is full of porn. But it's right. it's not flagged as porn because people don't know it's porn. So we did a thing on cracked about there's this entire lineup of YouTube videos about pe- about women sitting on balloons and popping them. Right. And it's like right. this long process cuz like and it's like oh the moment the balloon pops that's when they they climax the people who are yeah, into it's this. not my thing but i know that that's the hot but you part. can tell like it's building tension it's like oh the yeah. sexual tension is waiting to see when her her butt pops the balloon so in dick fight island it was not clear to me is it like the moment the guy loses that is now that, that you mentioned it, it maybe it could but, be like a power dynamic like yeah maybe the guy like really doesn't want to come thing. He, he does and then he's embarrassed and he's failed could be Did a you make it thing? clear on the podcast for people who have not read that article yet? It's about who can avoid. It's like who doesn't ejaculate wins. It, yeah. It's like and forcing. They, right. To, to sell the article a little bit, uh, it's not just two guys showing up and jerking each other off. They wear elaborate dick armor that they mm-hmm. have constructed according to the personalities of their of their clan and their fighting style. Like one guy will have, he's like a fisherman, so he has like a huge fish hook covering his dick. And he uses yeah. that to attack, and he like splits some other guy's dick armor straight in half with it, and it's it fucking rules. You, you made a good point in the article, and this already sounds sarcastic, but I do mean this, uh, in that there's nothing sexual about it, like in the narrative, because one dude like gives a guy a prostate massage, and no one had seen anything like it, which implies these are not like gay men having like. Intercourse <laughs> yeah, with the, each other. The twist. It's the big twist of yeah. Dick Fight Island. Is you're like these dudes are gay, and then. No, they're the least gay dudes that ever lived Absolutely because anal sex had never been invented on Dick Fight Island. It, not it, until it, this guy they couldn't showed up. Of it. Yeah. Not until so. this guy showed up and with the secrets of the outside world that allowed him <laughs> to bang asses. And who was the genius on Twitter that pointed out that the title Dick Fight Island, that you can put those three words in any order? <laughs> it was amazing. That's a good point. I don't yeah. remember the Twitter. And handle, it works exactly. You, well you are a hero if well. you're listening to this. <laughs> fight dick island yeah. island dick fight it's i'll i'll, I'll buy every fight single island one. dick yeah I'd, I'd buy that too i'm if i have a boy i'll name him fight island dick and like oh, just the original title of that in japanese was the eight warriors imagine mm-hmm. that imagine calling that fucking that fucking story pathetic. the eight warriors nobody would ever re- it's nothing it's literally nothing it's oh just, man think how no, ashamed he must I, be I disagree so hard because what you do is you put that into a bookstore right next to like the World War II books for all the middle-aged oh. men and you give it like a fancy leather cover. <laughs> so yes. it's, Whoops, it's you like, just found a fetish. It's like right next to Winston Churchill's biography on the, this on the is how shelf. You get like, this is Barnes how you get Noble. boomers and non-vets just amateur dick fighting. <laughs> <laughs> the eight warriors i wonder oh it's from Wel- Japan. welding up their own dick armor according to their personalities <laughs> well today uh we're not just talking about fighting dicks uh we sort of hit on this already in in, in jason's very short intro uh we're talking about uh the the copyright violations that we've run through and i guess the minefield of of that any, any legal intersection between when a lawyer has to pull a comedian aside right. and be like, 
Let's talk about the legal implications of this joke. It's always so fucking ridiculous. Like, and you have to take it seriously. You have to, like, yes. they take it seriously. They look you in the eye and take it seriously and talk to you about it. And you have to be like, yeah, but I, I really just want to call the guy a poon hound. I can't call him a poon hound? Like, <laughs> and this is going to get into why one of my articles has been pulled from the, the hot dog Patreon. We're going to tell mm-hmm. the story in a moment, correct? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay, start with first, that one. Because uh, that's... Uh, Okay, but before we even get into that, mm-hmm. I would like to propose a hypothetical to you guys, if it's okay. Sure. So let's say it's tomorrow morning. It's six a.m. at the at the the hot dog at the the hot dog influencer compound where you guys all live right. with several yeah. other influencers, including uh, I think Minecraft speedrunner Dream and other. Okay. No, he turned out to be racist, and we oh, had that's... to kick him out. <laughs> we voted him out of the internet house. <laughs> so we replaced him with five. Really energetic twinks. And, and uh, Gary Coleman. <laughs> Gary Coleman's there. Is he still uh, alive? Okay. No. Wait, we're getting off. Uh, we're getting it's off the ghost topic. of Gary Coleman. Okay. We're getting off topic. You get a heavy knock at the door. Doom, doom, doom. And you, one of you comes down to open it to, to answer the door. Or both of you simultaneously in your, in your bathrobes. Who's standing okay. there? Hulk Hogan. Okay. And Sean, and knowing the life, I've Sean pictured lives, this a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. Sean's Sean's response to his greeting would be I, I something to the tune of going. It's to, something to the tune of, "Oh, it's you, Hulkster. Did you leave something here last weekend when we had our hot tub party?" <laughs> but no, that's not why Hulk Hogan's there. Hulk Hogan oh. says, and I was going to do a Hulk Hogan voice, but I practiced it before, and I just start coughing if I try to do it too much. <laughs> um, but he says, "Hey, it's me, Hulk Hogan, uh, brother. It's the Hulkster." And I've read the article you wrote about me. You making fun of me and my family and, and of Brooke and and uh, and of the lovely Miss Elizabeth. I, I don't know who else who all is in her circle. I, I didn't watch wrestling, but uh, and and I'm telling you, you have to have that article down off of 900 Hot Dog and your Patreon by the end of the day today, or else I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, he points behind him, and he's he has pulled up to the cliffside uh, compound in that boat from that, that show he was on the, the tropic thunder and paradise thunder and paradise in that boat are all of his lawyers that he used to take down Gawker because as some listeners know, mm-hmm. some actually probably do not Hulk Hogan sued Gawker into oblivion. That entire company was collapsed by a successful lawsuit brought by Hulk Hogan. When he demanded, they take down a piece of content that we will discuss in a moment and they refused <laughs> and now they're dead. Right. So, the Hulkster has, <laughs> has given you an ultimatum. End of the day today, you have to pull this article you wrote. Now, here's the thing. Both of you know. You've spoken to your own uh, lawyer, and you know for a fact that what you wrote is protected speech. It is a mm-hmm. series of jokes. It is a series of clear exaggerations, community exaggerations, and the statements of fact you've made are not only true, but they are sourced to mainstream sources. So you are not the one mm-hmm. making the claims. He has no grounds whatsoever for libel, defamation, whatever. What do you do? Here's the thing. I didn't want to interrupt, but I would have started kicking his ass six or seven minutes ago the second he brought up lawsuits, because I know his weakness. All you do is stop kicking his ass right before he hulks out, because eventually you'll punch him and it won't hurt him. And then you're just screwed. He'll he'll just eat those punches, throw you against the ropes, big boot, drop a leg. It's over. You just stop right before then. So uh, that's how I would solve that problem. I would be making margaritas for the inevitable moment when you both really start respecting each other because of the fight. Right. And like you just need somebody to step in with two margaritas and be like, yeah. let's take a yeah. breath here. 
And then yeah. we would all become best friends. We'd raise but, each other's hands. <laughs> but uh, to your actual question, I would leave it up. I mean, I, we, yeah. we, not to jump the gun or anything, but in a much smaller, sadder way, we have already done this with your article, with the minis. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't always wanna... uh, leave it up. Uh, that being said, uh, it's not always up to me. Like at Cracked, of course, the final decision is not up to me. Uh, even at SeanBaby.com, I, I have a, a hosting service. And if they say something has to come down, like, that's a difficult discussion. I have to talk them into it. It's not, I can't say fuck you to them. Yeah, it's never so, really up to you. It's somebody just immediately takes it down, as has happened right. to us. But at 1-900-HOT-DOG, it is our final decision, and we've already set the precedent that, it, you know, go, go ahead and try I mean, to sue us, Hulk Hogan. The guy who directed the minis is no Hulk Hogan. Sir, <laughs> I do not know Hulk-, Hulk Hogan, but you are no Hulk Hogan. <laughs> even the Hulk Hogan lawsuit, uh, I don't remember all the nuances of it, but it was not Hulk Hogan's passion project. It was like secret billionaires behind Hulk Hogan using this lawsuit as a way to destroy their enemies had a beef against yes against gawker because they had come after him a few times they actually i guess outed him as a gay man and that i i think they argued it was kind of an open secret or whatever but he held that so he basically funded hulk hogan's lawsuits and then got they got a very friendly jury to deliver a judgment that basically gawker couldn't afford to appeal but they would have eventually won on appeal now for the listeners who don't know the piece of content, it was Hulk Hogan's sex tape where he was recorded having sex with the wife of a radio personality named Bubba the Love Sponge. Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> because they were in some sort of an open plural relationship and Hulk had talked about it and then it got recorded. Now, anyone who has not seen the Hulk Hogan sex tape, it, of course, is out there. You can't take something down from the Internet. Not really. Not something as enticing as the Hulk Hogan sex tape. (laughs) That's art. That wants to be free. Um, Sean and Robert, both of you, if you close your eyes right now, can you see the Hulk Hogan sex video? Only the thumbnails. I literally have never watched it. I have not uh, seen it, but if if I close my eyes right now... I can watch it. Yes, it, I can watch yeah, the one I create in my mind. At yeah, home, who has never watched the Hulk Hogan sex tape, it looks exactly like what you're what you're <laughs> picturing. Um, Hulk Hogan is not a terribly he's not as flexible as you would expect, or maybe he just didn't feel I the. I think knee. he blew his knees out in like 1979. I would imagine. Yeah, it's very stiff. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 understood. So. Um, now, most people who have seen the full tape have not been able to achieve any kind of sexual arousal since. Um, this is in 2012. The actually, curse for, of the tape. Yeah, mm. fertility rates in America actually started dropping that exact year. And it's because anyone it steals your orgasms that, and gives them to Hulk, science. the Hulkster. Is that true? Do they, does the data correlate that way? I post, Yes, it's, it's exactly that year. And I fully <laughs> believe. Now, I've never seen a scientist admit that that's the reason. Because they don't want to get sued by Hulk Hogan. exactly. But it's not like it can be undone. So anyway, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the point is, and this is something that we need to make clear off the top. That's why I wanted to pose that hypothetical. Because right now, the way it works, any we've cracked was owned by three different companies. And all three, three very different companies. One was a billion dollar, basically tech 
company that ran a bunch of websites. The next was a equally large 150-year-old journalism brand that owns uh, radio stations, newspapers, local TV stations. And then the third was a much smaller outfit that owns just a bundle of websites. And, and, uh, and all three had the exact same policy. If there's a complaint, the piece of content comes down immediately, no questions asked. Because the threat of being sued, even if it doesn't matter the way America works, the cost of having to counter the suit, even if the only thing that happens is they file and you respond with a, a request for summary judgment and it gets dismissed, that will lose you tens of thousands of dollars that comes right out of your budget and it's easier to just pull the content. So if you are a celebrity, a public figure, politician, anyone, if you see an article that is critical of you, if you want it taken down, all you have to do is get your lawyer to stamp out a letter saying two things. One, claim it's defamatory, and then two, claim that it's a copyright violation, that anything that they've quoted from you, any stills of videos, any photos they've used, and then the the most sites, whether they admit it or not, if it's a comedy site, any kind of a media site, they will pull it immediately, unless that site is something like the New York Times, Washington Post, you know, NBC News, some multi-billion one nine hundred hot dog, <laughs> some some multi-billion powerhouses cor- of journalism corporation that will back you up. Anyone else, that just comes right down. Mm-hmm. It's true. Because uh, they don't want to spend the money to fight it. It does not matter whether or not the content is actually protected speech. It's still, because in America, we don't have a thing where if you win the lawsuit, they have to pay your bills. It doesn't work like that. You're just out the money. You're out the money that it costs to defend it. So anybody knows they can they can send these basically these harassment suits because they know you can't afford to fight it. And that's where, in the case of 1-900-HOT-DOG, if you actually got a like if they actually did go the next step to file in court, which I think I, I can't imagine the minis guy would ever do that. You would Probably have not. to hire an attorney to counter it. And that person would bill you like 300 bucks an hour. Right. We would yeah. just counter it very poorly with a, an extremely bad attorney trusting that comedy would take us through. We go to legalzoom.com and get some boilerplate, add some jokes. I think that's, that's the way we'd handle that. Yeah, probably. And then we'd, really just blow it up and make him personally embarrassed and regretting. I think one of the things, like I have stories, I guess, where people tried to do that. They tried to like strong arm me into like taking something down. And all I would do is just point out the thing that they did. And that just made the thing that they were trying to get taken off the internet, like richer and funnier. You know what I mean? Like it's just that Streisand effect is maybe too big a term for it. But like all it did was make things worse. Right. It makes it worse for you if somebody fights back. But everybody's it's all corporate run now. And they know that a corporation won't or can't do that and won't take that risk. I can't even us. We're we're on Patreon and it wasn't us. He didn't come to us and say, take this down. Here's my cease and desist. He contacted Patreon. Yeah. Like a narc. Like a narc. (laughs) And they just they took it down. No questions. They were just like, you have violated copyright. We took that down. And if you don't agree with it, we'll take the whole thing down. You're like, all right. Let's let's back up if we can back up. And you guys go ahead and tell the story of the mini snake. Starting with for those. I know the listeners have not read every single article that has been posted to one nine hundred hot dog. I have. I get not everyone has that kind of spare time. Uh, and almost a, a little over a year ago in May of 2020, I wrote a review of a movie called The Minis, which is about mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman, former basketball player, 
taking a team of dwarfs to a basketball championship. The Fantastic movie, movie is amazing. It, it has brought me more joy. I, I've seen this movie probably five times. I've only seen The Godfather all the way through once. <laughs> this movie has brought me more joy than The Godfather. I, I will say yeah, that easily. right now. But I wrote an article that was in pointing out, you know, it was the article that I felt like that movie deserved. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently, I I did not know this till a long time later. I guess the was it the production company or what did you? What how no, did it was you the hear director, about Valerio okay. Zanoli himself? Okay. Uh, here's here's the first part of the email from Patreon. Hi there. Period. That's how they open. Hi there. Fucker. Hey, fucker. <laughs> that, uh, that is corporate speak for hey, fucker. We recently received a copyright claim for works you are making available on Patreon. Specifically, the claim comes from Valerio Zanoli, narc, who owns some of the images that are being utilized in your posts on Patreon. We ask that you remove all copyrighted works from your Patreon page. If you do not, Patreon will remove them. Right. The copyrighted works, which again, like fair use, uh, it's it's one of those things where you, you can talk about a movie, and if you're talking about the movie, you put a picture of the movie. No one thinks you made that movie yourself. It's it's yeah. Every it's, time, like you can't just use images to promote something. Like we couldn't have put sure. that in a banner, like a still from the minis, unrelated to anything, and been like, come to our website. It's it's got the minis. No, uh, why are we tiny shoes endorsed with, by these people from the minis? Yeah, we had still screen grabs from the movie. The, those frames represent a small enough percentage and were as part of a critical work. They are 100% right. fair use under every single court ruling about fair use ever, yeah. ever, ever. There has never been a ruling saying you cannot take that because it always comes down to like what percentage of the work you're using and why are you using it? There can be no argument whatsoever that we are taking the work and then profiting from it. It is a criticism of the work, and in the course of the criticism, we have individual frames that amount to 0.0001% of the film because they're individual frames. So there's not even clips. Um, And you're talking directly about them. Yeah, talking directly about them. If that was not fair use, all internet criticism of media would have to be taken down. Like all YouTube movie reviews would have to come down. But that, that stuff is not only up and monetized, it, it only exists because it is clearly fair use. But if, and if our article had been about how good this movie was, about how it is a hidden gem, one of the best Dennis Rodman movies, there you would never have gotten that takedown. What they do these days, if someone is upset about the jokes you have made about them, they will file a copyright complaint because no one, again, wants to have to fight one. And because there's, you know, in theory, you can be fined many thousands of dollars for using copyrighted material. So it will come in the form. What they will often do is they'll send a lawyer letter that says in like a couple of sentences, well, this is libelous and and defamation, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll spend the rest of the letter talking about, oh, and it also violates our copyright. We'll have an example of that later. It's because they know there's no basis for the first part. But the copyright thing, they figure, again, it's, you know, they know you won't fight it, and the threat is all it takes. If there's a threat on any kind of copyright, on crack, we would just often remove the images. They would take the entire article down. So well, Patreon, did they only ask you to remove the stills, or did they ask you to take the, the whole review down? 
No, all, all like, works. They wanted to. Well, they did. We. They yeah, just that's right. They just they, just they did, did it for you. Well, yeah. we we didn't want to. I wanted to to like not appeal, and so I replied and said like I can prove this is fair use, and mm-hmm. they were they just took it down. Correct. Because they say <laughs> here you you will remove these works in a timely manner, or, or we will remove them. However, you can still right. read that article on one nine hundred hotdog dot com, our main site, right. because we control that, and uh, it's up. I believe it's free. I believe it's open. Go ahead, read yeah, it. Enjoy it. It's funny. Yeah. It, it's the reason, great. The reason I said all that stuff before getting this is I did not want it to come across like we are crapping on Patreon saying they are cowards. As I said, Cracked was owned by three very different companies, three very different size companies with three different legal departments. They all had the exact same policy. Mm-hmm. You get the complaint. They're all cowards. It comes down. It, like, it's, like, imagine it, it is, being this Valerio dickhead and like, like what – what does he think the outcome is going to be from this it movie? It could like, only be positive. It, like, nobody right. has heard of your movie, and now everybody that read that wants to immediately... I know we pushed so many people. Everybody that read that went and watched that movie. I intentionally linked directly to the Amazon Prime download of that movie. This uh-huh. is a movie that on Amazon... By the way, if you're looking for it on Amazon under the minis, they re-released it under Little Hoop Dreams. Is that what they <laughs> called it? Some even more insulting title. Um, Godfather Part 6. It's called Godfather Part 6 on Amazon Prime. (laughs) It has six reviews on Amazon. That means the total number of downloads it's ever gotten has got to be like... Like like fifty five or sixty, like you you get like one review for every ten or twenty or whatever download. Is it that good? I, I would figure one every thousand. Uh, oh, maybe I'm wrong. It it, it, whatever. It, it's we not a lot. I don't think I. I personally do not think that six thousand people watched this movie on Amazon Prime. <laughs> but I think that my that column, which linked directly to it, I think I sold more downloads of the minis that day. No question. Than yeah. they've ever had in the entire time since they uploaded it to the service because it never I mean, got. It has promotion. to be what tipped them off. They had to be like, what? Where's, Why are where's people the watching the movie? From? Because whatever else you can say about my column, and I do think it's good. I worked really hard on it. It's and I feel like you cannot read that column without coming away with saying, "Me and the dudes are going to watch this movie this yeah, weekend. I like must it, watch this it, yeah. at our dorm, whatever." Like, like I read this column, but this this has told me. That if I show this movie, you know, get the the guys together this weekend, the whole gang sh- at the Vine Influencer McMansion, <laughs> we're all we're going to get high and we're going to watch the minis and we're going to have an incredible time because this somebody column, might die from laughing at it too much. It is amazing. <laughs> it is so bad. It's bad in a way in that there's something spectacular to notice in every scene. Again, I've seen it over and over again, and I notice something different every time. It's so bad, but so that this guy. Like, cannot just do the Tommy Wiseau thing and just embrace, like, ah, I made something that these, right. you know, American dummies think is funny, so fine, whatever. It's I'm still getting paid either way. Because as, I don't know, a lot of you realize this, in the modern media environment, whether someone paid to watch your thing because they loved it or they paid to watch the thing because they hate it, it's actually the same money. It, the money, like, still, like, you deposited the bank. The bank is not like, oh, these are hate dollars. We don't take right. these. <laughs> It's wrinkled and stained with. And I love the idea of how, like, on the fucking moon this dude's brain is to think that anyone in the entire world would watch this movie and write, like, a good review of it. I mean, like, like he's going around finding Minnie's reviews. He's like, I'm going to take down the mean ones. It's like, 
this is the most kind-hearted review of his film that will ever be. Yeah, there was nothing super specifically mean about it. It was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Look how ridiculous this is. What was this decision? It was not... Comedy isn't great when it's just like, this sucks. This is bad. You're a piece of shit. To think that he's made good art, that he's like, oh, this guy just didn't get it. He didn't understand my true artistic vision. It's like, no, you made a fucking silly movie and you did a bad job of it. He's taken down everybody that's ever talked about his movie. That's your legacy of your art. (laughs) You're stuck hunting down anybody that watches and talks about it. The the entire joy of the movie is that it accidentally makes the opposite point because it was supposed to be an inspirational movie about how well you know anybody can achieve their dreams if they work hard even these dwarfs can can be a championship basketball team and then by the end of the movie it's revealed like oh no not really it's (laughs) it turns out that's not and so the 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 theme winds up being like well you know what maybe it's okay to just not be good at basketball (laughs) it's it's it, the way it gets there a is amazing. lesson on its own. Uh, and then the the whole thing that they, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to recap the whole review, but the whole plot is that this team of dwarfs plus Dennis Rodman, because of the freak show appeal, they invite them to this, this street ball tournament in Venice, Venice beach, uh, California, where the prize is $50,000. And they're one of only eight teams that were invited and they've never played together before as a team. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know that they displaced a team of actual like inner city ball players who probably could have used the $50,000. And the movie repeatedly makes the point that none of these guys, the dwarfs nor Dennis Rodman, need the money. Right. And they say repeatedly, like, well, I don't care about the prize money. <laughs> it's like, well, then let some kids, let this group of 16-year-olds who've been playing ball for six hours a day to, to get ready for this tournament to win... $50,000 make a pretty, you know, that that's split that's 10 grand each on a team of five guys. That could mean quite a bit to them. Yeah. It's like, "Nah, let's just do it because it'll be because to prove that dwarfs can play basketball and then inadvertently prove that they cannot because we lost." <laughs> I want to make the point that it, at one point Dennis Rodman picks up one of the little people while he's holding the ball and throws him like from deep, like top of the key. It might have been a three-pointer. And he dunks. You get more and- than 3 points for that. I think so too, but I also think it's a travel. Like I don't know if it's like on the books, but I I don't think you're allowed to pick up another player and throw them. Like I'm not well, I'm not sure how the not on the books. I've read the books. I know it's not on the books. Not on the you, books. Like you can have a banned. dog, right? We know you can have a dog, but I don't know if you can pick up a dwarf and throw them. It's well, no, also... it's it's not banned that the dwarfs can stack together like like Voltron and power up, which they also do. I mean, I know that's a legal move in the in the NBA. Specifically, if you can if you can stack up like Voltron and still make the shot, you get like 16 points for that. Yeah. Okay. Can I point out if you make a video about dwarfs playing basketball, and in the video a and a, a, a normal size, a person of normal height picks up six a dwarf, ten. yeah, a six ten, yeah, of above normal height, picks up a dwarf and throws him at the hoop to make. You filmed a hate crime. <laughs> yes. That's the most yes. demeaning thing you can do. Like, no no dwarf is out there. I would not think. I don't want to speak for them. There's like, my dream is for someone big to pick me up and throw me at, at right. the goal. 
that makes me feel like an adult man. You're treating me like the ball because Dennis Rodman could have just taken the ball and thrown that in. Sure. And scored He's not those a bad three-point shooter. Yeah, and instead fact. picked up the entire human being and treated him as the ball. <laughs> this this is not a triumphant moment. The, the fact that the, everyone involved thought it was, I felt there was humor to be drawn from from that. <laughs> so I'm not a comedy scientist, but I find this grave error to be very funny. <laughs> yeah, and apparently legally actionable. This, this dehumanizing element of the inspirational comedy, which tells you that it would never work, is quite funny. There's irony in this big a mistake. So I, I guess I, I'm just beating a dead horse because the whole premise <laughs> that this is damaging to this guy's business or to his brand, yeah, is ludicrous. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna make the next Space Jam with you because we read this article <laughs> making fun of you. Like, if my takedown of the movie had been inaccurate, they could just go watch the movie and see. Oh, he was very unfair. I don't know if the average the average listener realizes that's the environment we're working in. If you work for a company, every single publisher, whether you're talking about College Humor, whatever is left of it, any of the remaining ones are op- operating on razor thin margins. Mm-hmm. No, for the most part, they cannot afford to pay an attorney to even do up just a basic response to a thing like this. So there is content that I promise you, you have run across and found now it's a dead link. It's like, oh, whatever happened in that article? They got a takedown request on it. And they just they just took it down. Um, and just and pragmatically, they, like, uh, it cracked, what, 99% of the traffic happens in the first day or two. So if, if someone says, hey, take this down and it's already been up for a week, who gives a shit, right? Like They won't even notice, yeah. It's, yeah. And in fact, now, we have had, it cracked, we, uh, Brockway, did you ever have a piece of content taken down, it cracked? Uh, no, the closest I got was when the, uh, it cracked at least, when the Choose Your Own Adventure people came after me for, at, at the time, they were, <laughs> I was just writing Choose Your Own Adventure, I called them Choose Your Own Adventures, uh, because right. this was the bad old days of the internet. This was like 2009 when we could just do that. Right. And nobody had even heard of lawyers. We were like, lawyers? Like the, the people on TV? Like the sexy <laughs> people on TV? They're, they're not going to intersect with comedy. What is that about? So I was, I was using just, I was using their images. I was using their titles and uh, nobody gave, gave a shit about it until, oh God, maybe two years later, like 2011, they messaged and uh, I think it was Jack. I think it was Jack that, that got the email and came to me and had to say like, well, you know, the day has come. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. People have found it. And uh, they said, uh, if you don't stop selling these books immediately we will pursue legal action and it took us a while to figure out what they were talking about because they thought we were selling books right of them they thought my articles were like a preview for actual choose your own adventure books using their art that we were and they they just were they let us keep the articles up if we agreed and of, of course we did agree to so reluctantly, oh man, oh, it's going to break our hearts. It's going to break a bank. We're going to go under. My kids will starve, but I'll stop selling these books. And then <laughs> they didn't even make us change the name. I changed the name just to be like, oh, okay, listen, <laughs> I understand this is your title. I'm going to change it to choose your own drug-fueled misadventure, which is mm-hmm. my cute way of doing that. But they didn't even ask us to change the name. They were just like, 
you have to stop selling these books. Whatever you do on the internet is fine. This is the Wild West still. So uh, yeah. that's the closest I ever came at Cracked. Before <laughs> corporations ran the internet and controlled all of the content delivery systems and would just cowered out automatically. There's like yeah. a, an opt-in coward solution. I it worked so well to just make fun of them. And like that would be the end of it. You would destroy them and it would elevate the story and then they'd, they would learn their lesson. I cannot emphasize enough the, that the degree to which Hogan versus Gawker was the turning point. Mm-hmm. I cannot emphasize enough because that, because you have to understand Gawker tried to do the same thing. Like that he sent the, the takedown request and they actually did a bunch of follow-up articles and tweets and everything. It's right. like, Oh, we're going to get, we're going to milk this for months. Like Hulk Hogan, like this, of course. there is not a funnier headline than Hulk Hogan's lawyers threaten us to make us take down his sex video. <laughs> Of what, having good. sex it, as part of the thruple he was in with Bubba the Love Sponge. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's itself. You don't need to do anything to that. You can just. The text like, of that article would be look at the fucking headline, and I'd be very satisfied I clicked it. Uh, yeah. Um, and they thought, well, we're just going to. This is the internet. You know, it's it's 2012. You know, we're just going to joke our way right through this. And then he just kept on it and actually had enough money, as again, backed by a billionaire determined to take Gawker down and got a friendly jury, got it, the location of the case moved to Tampa, which is Hulk Hogan territory, uh, as you can probably guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Hulkamania can, country. Yeah, Hulkamania, where all the Hulkamaniacs, the energy of the Hulkamaniacs kind of influenced the, the proceedings. Anyone will, will tell you that. He put um, a hand to his ear and just listened for all of the support coming in. That, that's how they decided that verdict. And, and basically they named some, one of the uh, suburbs of Tampa Thunder in Paradise. Is that that has to be true, right? <laughs> it's absolutely true. I, yeah, I just made it up. But there's joke. no fucking it's... way it's not true. There's no way. Um, so the, the message was sent, and then the template was set. What that you, again? You do not have to win this case. Like, like you could have appealed this up to the Supreme Court, and somebody would have mm-hmm. eventually said, "Look, they weren't even hosting the video. They just linked to right. it. There was hosted elsewhere. Like, how can that possibly be?" And Hulk Hogan had gone on radio shows like boasting about his sex life with with Bubba the Love Sponge or his wife or what whatever. It was a whole thing. Like it was a part of his entertainment life as a reality show. It was part of the kayfabe was was that he sure. is a sexually adventurous wrestler. <laughs> um so <laughs> he had no case, but he they rigged things in such a way that it didn't matter. The cost of defending it was ruinous. And mm-hmm. what's happened is in this era, in the social media era, in the $150 is a lot of money to pay an internet writer era, yep. <laughs> margins are so, so thin, they're just not going to risk it. It's always easier to take it down. Again, unless you've got like a, a, a pristine reputation you're trying to uphold. Like if the New York Times pulled a piece, like it would be news. It would spread everywhere. But mm-hmm. who cares about Cracked? Who cares about college humor? Who cares about any of these? Like some comedy outlet that is, you know, it's got a couple dozen employees and you're scraping to get by and you're making $27 in ad revenue on every piece of content that goes up. It's just not worth it. And that was when it stopped being worth it. So it, the internet became a much more careful place. People don't seem to remember that, the, like uh, Perez Hilton and all of these celebrity, yet yeah, you'd have these celebrity gossip websites 
Like one was just called Defamer. Right. Like they literally would just run these totally unverified rumors claiming that, you know, that this uh, George Clooney has herpes and they were just competing. Has a a sex pig was an actual one. I made fun of that in an article, but that's where I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sex pig. They made an article. I I don't know to this day. It was on the internet. It must have been true. But yeah, they said he he had some kind of a sex pig. But if it seems like there's less of that stuff now, and then like there's also there were all these celebrity writers back then. Like that was their whole thing was having the the dirt. I think Nikki Fink was one of them. Like it was there were all these, and that's over. Like that right. is over. That that era when you could just like all of internet comedy back then was about defaming people. <laughs> like it was. Uh, yeah, y- yeah well, we I wrote keep a thing it was in, the Wild um, West. In 1999, about uh, Alyssa Milano, and she did a, a workout video called Teen Steam when she was a young girl. It's so cringy. She like records the theme song and like she's holding the headphones in the recording booth. It's 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 really bad. And uh, I was kind of a dick back then, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously I have some dickish tendencies, but uh, I think I pick my targets better now. But back then, I just was sort of a dick to everybody. And when I wrote an article, it was a little more mean spirited and. And so when people found themselves in my articles, they were never like happy. I was always like too mean for them to enjoy it. Uh, anyway, I, I think I've trended the other way. Like now when people, I make fun of people, they're like, oh, haha, you got me sometimes. But back then, obviously I was a dick. And so she sent a cease and desist letter. Uh, and of course I just made fun of that, but she kept doing it like every three or four years. And eventually, uh, somebody at like my website hosting got one of them and was like, take it down. And then I talked to them into leaving it up for like a year or two. And then they kept getting more letters. And then eventually, like, I, I could see the trend in my own Alyssa Milano article of how the industry went. How it's like, no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. Okay, take it down. So, yeah, as as the saga of Alyssa Milano's, like, cease and desist letters, they, they kept coming in and kept getting ignored until finally, you know, closer to 2010 or so, the people hosting my website were like, dude, we have to take it down. And I was like, oh, all right. I mean, if I can't talk into it, I can't talk into it. So now if you go there, which again, I, I, one of the reasons I didn't care is because it wasn't a very good article. It's one that, uh, you know, I see it online. I'm like, some of these jokes are real weak, but also it's just like super mean. Like it, it, it's a bad video, but I didn't really make fun of the parts that were bad so much. It's just like, look at how dumb all these people are, you dumb dummies. Because I just if you uh, hadn't been getting sued for it. You probably would have <laughs> taken it down earlier. And yeah, also, can, I would I would think so. Yeah. Can I point out that there's a really I'm assuming that Alyssa Milano herself has no idea about that. Like this was just her people running across it. I think it was her mother was on the letters. And uh, I, 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 crazy, I would imagine crazy mom. I can relate. She knows about it. And then and she was like a big cracked reader. I have a feeling. Yeah, she went on to become uh, a huge fan of cracked, probably never knowing that she was also at, at some point for a while there trying to sue you. I would bet that your articles and enjoying them that may not herself have never even known about it because a lot of times when we say like oh you know uh, whatever it's name name a celebrity for some reason yeah Tom Tom Cruise is coming after me over this video I made it's like well that's not Tom Tom Cruise has no idea who you are it's his production company spotted a clip you're using in your YouTube video it's not Tom. Tom Cruise would not know you even if you showed up at his, his house. Right. So it's yeah, like, I can't you know, verify Alyssa Milano personally hates me. Yeah. But, um, I, I just wanted to, yeah, because I don't want anyone, God forbid anyone listens to this, like tags her on Twitter. It's like tries to resurrect the beef. 
Yeah, who would know? <laughs> if uh, I did speak to Alyssa Milano about this, I would probably air towards an apology than, hey, did you have fun reading that? I'd be like, I know I did something wrong, Alyssa, and I, I could have been kinder. The video was bad, but I think you know it was bad. No one, you know, we have no yeah, illusions. I, I just could have If been, you had just stopped suing me for a minute, yes, I would have I taken it down. <laughs> in the same way that, like, in 1999, if, if one of us wrote a thing about Dick Fight Island, it would, like, for me, it would have just been like, oh, these guys are gay. Whereas now it's, like, so much better to actually understand what's going on and that it's, as Brockway points out in the article, that it's an extremely well-written volume. <laughs> like, the, it's, the, yeah. the, it actually, the, it has more character development than a lot of the movies that are going to kind of come out this summer. Right. All it's of great. This. They create expectations and subvert them. There's genuine, like, it's it's amazing how well done the entire thing yeah. is. I hope they never sue me so I get to continue liking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is, and it, there's, yeah, we're able to make fun of something in a way that appreciates it. So yeah, comedy got better when, like, so it's just like when somebody tells you when we go on a podcast or whatever, and they're like, okay, you can't swear here. And then you get so much more inventive, and it turns out so much more vile and just worse yes. than anybody could have anticipated. <laughs> It's better that you took away the really weak tools that we shouldn't have been relying on anyway, because it forced us to get better and to get more inventive along the way and actually point out stuff that uh, that doesn't hurt the wrong people and maybe makes the comedy stronger. Now, Sean, you have had two columns taken down from Cracked. That's right. Um, that I don't know. Do you even want to talk about those here, or is that igniting the I know, threat? I think that... we mentioned the Hungarian scam artists, even on the the Dog Zone, where uh, I did an article about mobile game scams or mobile app scams, and I tried to hit on like a lot of the um, different ways they do that. Uh, whether it's through like uh, hitting your dopamine center with like a an addictive game, or uh, in the case of this Hungarian. Um, business their their whole model was based on getting you to sign up for like a monthly fee and then just charging like 80 bucks a month until you noticed and so they were like leading uh at least on the android charts when i wrote the article they were leading in income even though all of their apps were total garbage like obviously garbage they were things like weather alarm and you look at it and it's just like the weather app but worse and it the the premise was Caution, that it, weather. It would, right it would warn you that like if a tornado was coming for for instance which sounds like oh that's I, no, need to, I need to know that, but it's like that is not protected information. No one has any reason to like not tell you about the tornado coming. There's entire government industries or, or, or government fucking programs, and and the the media is obsessed with telling you about tornadoes, right? Or so, just tornado Gus, like a normal person. Tornado, just call tornado, tornado Gus. coming. <laughs> yep, I can feel it in my knee. Better get moving. So like, uh, anyway, like the whole premise of these apps were stupid, or. Um, like it's a calculator app, but it would charge you $80 a month. And so I did a lot of research. This was an obsessive amount of research, even for me, where I had to go to like Russian websites and try to find like, um, times they were sued because it was illegal for this company to operate in Russia. That's how fucking scandalous Holy they were. Holy shit. I didn't yeah. know that was possible. Yeah. And so I was like, this is fascinating. And I looked it all up and so much of it was impenetrable. And I took the information I could verify. And even Jason, when he read the draft, he's like, dude, you got to fucking make this airtight because these guys are going to sue us today, like the second it goes up. And so, uh, and of course they did. They sent the cease and desist. And, and I think did. their their premise was that like, it was a copyright violation or something something they, silly. They, they sent the standard lawyer letter. The first couple of sentences were about, well, this is defamatory and libelous mm-hmm. and so on. 
um, which it wasn't. This is we went back and forth on this because you know every statement is either clearly a joke, clearly just comedic exaggeration, like there's nothing to even be determined there. And then when it came to any statement you made, affect the amount they're charging, you know, the, mm-hmm. the revenue model, anything else, anything like that. The fact that they had been banned in Russia, we linked to the source uh, yeah. of it being true or had a screen grab of the of the price. Like you know, it was. I'm. I have. Shit! Did you do journalism once? I am. Yeah, I am actually a a (laughs) trained journalist, and so I actually know what's what's protected or whatever. This is some. This was part of my job at Cracked was to make sure. And this was the type of thing I knew because this was where I knew it was. There was a chance they're going to come after us, not because what we had done was legally questionable. It was not. This was absolutely mm-hmm. protected speech. This is the kind of jur- journalism that you know a, an actual newspaper does all the time. But because Cracked is a big site, that's a lot of traffic, the SEO means that when someone would Google the name of that company, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you Sean's column would come up on the first page of Google results going forward. Right. And they knew that. See... So they knew that this was like an actual threat, like people would avoid their company based on this. So they send the letter that is the standard where it's a couple of lines hinting at defamation or whatever that they knew they couldn't back up. And then all of the rest of it was copyright. You, you, your screen grabs and screen captures of our app and all that and of our website is a copyright violation. Therefore, you need to take down all of the text <laughs> criticizing right. us too. And what an easy day for a lawyer it would be to say, like, yeah, okay, cool. Prove to us that we lied about, like, your income and and send us your records of, like, your scandalous behavior. And uh, Right, but that's up to, like, $300. You might have to pay that lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You're not making that from ad revenue. He'll charge you for the full hour. Yeah. Um. I'm not going to be the – I'm sitting here rebutting a a joke. (laughs) The lawyer will milk it for a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I don't know if you've ever had to do any kind of legal stuff with a lawyer. They're not going to – like something that that seems like they could knock out in an hour – you're going to get billed a lot for that. So, oh man, I it have, is yeah, it is absolutely true that the minimal minimal stuff that you would have to because even though like you know like Scripps had an in-house legal team, but it doesn't doesn't matter. They're still billing by the hour. That it's like this comes out of your budget, and so it's like okay, you can either make five videos or else you can pay to counter this takedown request. On a piece of content that, as Sean mentioned a little while ago, no one's looking at it anymore. You get all your traffic in the first few days, and then it dribbles in over Google searches. Now, that's still extremely dangerous to this company because, again, when people search for the name of the company, they're going to get Sean's article, no question, because what else? who else is out there covering this company, right? Mm-hmm. So they were right to try to get it taken down from if I was running a scam operation, uh, scam being sure. the the humorous term i am using i'm not saying what they did is illegal <laughs> well, it, is, it, it is it is in our opinion a very misleading and shady revenue model intended to get people to sign up and then Whoa, forget now, they signed your up. opinion in your opinion buddy. yes in my opinion um so it is if i owned a website and I had, and I knew I had to make that choice. And I knew that it was actually like they, like if they send the letter, so what? They send a letter. Mm-hmm. If they follow it up with a court filing, 
in their district or whatever. And I, now I have actually got to have a, a call with our lawyers and then another call with our lawyers and then a follow-up call and then have them prepare a thing. And then they have, and they're billing us every, yeah, every hour grand. for this. Yeah. I admit, it, it, like if I'm, if, if it's between being able to meet payroll that month and actually having to fight this, I got to admit, I would probably back down because yeah. I would, I would justify it to myself by saying, look, it's already got the traffic. We we said what we had to say. The people who saw our readers saw it. They they don't look at the archives, so it's kind of lost to them anyway. It just just I admit I would probably say just take it down because I, so, I want to get that out there because this is a system wide thing. It, like the system is screwed. It shouldn't be this easy to do this. And it wasn't because we kept capitulating on stuff like I mean I totally understand what you're saying and and if I was in charge of you know people's livelihoods and had that same thing I would do the same thing. But on the flip side that's also why we're in this scenario now is cuz it kept working. It didn't used to work and we weren't in this scenario and then it just kept working and it kept getting easier and easier until now yeah. it's automatic. We just well, there's an article I wrote in uh, 2012 on Cracked and it was called uh, Album Covers White People Could Never Pull Off. I don't know if you remember this one. But it was, uh, I took a bunch of hip hop albums or funk albums and uh, I recreated in Photoshop. Like, uh oh. What? Uh oh. What, what do you mean, uh oh? <laughs> I'm just worried about where this is going oh, already. No. It's, it's very racial, but uh, I think I got away with it. Where I took, <laughs> <laughs> I took the hip hop albums and I made all the people white and it became, you know, obviously funny in context because of the humorous ways in which different cultures are different. Okay. And so um, that's the best way that could have gone. <laughs> I think uh, actually, I remember Jack O'Brien just like leveled with me over an email and said, "This is the funniest idea anyone has ever had." Like he loved this idea, <laughs> and so so I, there was no pushback oh, against I love this. Jack, no I love Jack's support. Yeah, Jack's support was the best. It was unusual for him to say something like that to me. So that was great, and I remember it. Um, so I got to the end of it, and uh, it had this this album that. It was called uh, Shut Up and Dance, I think was the name of the band. And the album was called Dance Before the Police Come. And it was two dudes. They had their shirts off and they were holding like Chinese wushu weapons. And uh, so I was like, okay, if this was white people. And I just kind of like was searching around the internet for like the perfect image to Photoshop. And I found this picture that was like heavily memed. So heavily memed that I almost didn't use it. And it was two very morbidly obese people. The woman was completely naked. The guy was in jeans and no shirt holding a broadsword. And she was like draped up against him to like cover all of her naughty bits. And it it's objectively hilarious, this picture. Like, and the internet agreed. It was everywhere. Everyone was making fun of it. You might even like recognize it from my description, my masterful erotic description. So um, what happened was it was up for like a week. And Jason, you might have been on this thread. Were you on this thread? I, I think Jack intentionally left me off those conversations. Oh, okay. Because he wrote it, the dude from the picture wrote in claiming that we did not credit the photographer, which I mean, I'm good at research, but I can't even imagine like how many hours it would have taken to track that down. Right. Like it was it was literally all over the millions and millions of impressions on the Internet. And uh, I thought that was really funny that he was trying to get it taken down through something that other, otherwise we'd be very eager to like do. Like there's no reason to not credit the photographer but this case would be like crediting like grumpy cat's owner like this the internet owned this image and um so he wanted it taken down i remember being on this thread and it was almost like i was getting scolded like how dare you not like change anything and i mean i fucking like cropped it added titles and tilted it and it, it, it was 
it was so transformed. Obviously, I we did not in the middle of an of a meme heavy article do a photo shoot at the end of something where we didn't do our photos for the rest of them. I don't know. I, it just seems so obvious to me that this was an internet meme to the point where I almost didn't use it. I'm like, ah, do people need to see this picture again? I'm like, no, nah, it's funny. Anyway, I guess my point is this: I was just trying to bring up a, a another avenue people use to like get the shit taken down that's making fun of them. And this one was like how you need to pay my photographer, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you don't need to explain the idea that once a photo gets out there, it's kind of just belongs to the world. Anyone who has used the internet for more than half an hour, the idea that someone would on their Twitter post a grumpy cat or whatever, and then get a takedown from the grumpy cat, you'd be like, Yes. What? This is a, a prank? Like, no, it's the internet. We we post, like, this is all the chive is nothing but other people's photos. It's just right. other people's stuff taken from Instagram and their their Twitter, their tweets, and and their viral memes, their cat memes. It's like the entire internet runs on this concept that there's a very tight idea of what copyright actually is, and that otherwise, once it's out there, it's kind of just out there. The idea that this meme photo that you're supposed to pay a photographer that everyone who has is using that uh, has been paying a photographer the whole time that it's ridiculous for you to not to, to right. think otherwise is bizarre. But I, I've got to say everywhere, like it doesn't even matter which of the three companies that came from, if that was the demand days or the scripts days, it doesn't matter because it's, you get the same tone from the legal team where it's like, you used a photo right. without permission. It's like, yeah, uh -huh. this is, that, that guy I expected uh, we all we all got so excited before we knew about the scripts merger when we were like holy shit a, jur a journalism company like <laughs> shit is gonna they're gonna change this is gonna be different like they know about fair use and shit they're gonna have a, a crack legal team people will know not to fuck with them on this it'll well somebody will have our back rather than like this tech company that just runs a WikiHow ripoff and is built on the the hobby funds of the guy from my one of the guys from MySpace. We were actually genuinely excited at Scripps before we knew that not only would nothing be different, but they would also just fire everybody because people kept bugging them about don't, stuff like that. We don't don't go down that road. <laughs> we're already like an hour and fifteen minutes in the recording. It's don't you're right. I, you're right. You know, we should talk about this. No one wants to hear me. Comedy. This was, it was like four years ago now. Nobody wants to hear me talk about this again. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I've got, I could scroll up through your guys's. I, you people who don't know that, you know, 1 900 Hot Dog has an, an employee Slack, like every company in America, mm -hmm. where they coordinate. It's all very lighthearted, but they're coordinating work and it's like, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that this is really funny. This is going to go up on Wednesday or whatever. We're and professionals, then occasionally, but we're fun professionals. Yeah, we're kind of got a zany workplace. We're not like a You don't have to be company. crazy to work here, but it helps. <laughs> yeah, and you scroll up far enough, and then That's you'll find just a, block, just a block of text of me complaining about the industry. <laughs> and I don't, let's be clear, everybody, I don't work here. I, I should not be in their employee slack. I'm not sure why I have access to it. It'll just be a block about, of me not helping I love anyone. it when you check in. Yeah, yeah, it's checking in to to make everyone feel bad about the industry again because another company has gone under and and they've it's like ah did he hear we everybody? have too much fun we need you <laughs> and, and it's, you all, can, it's all slide whistles and and goop 
It's just a Nickelodeon set. We need an adult to come in and yell every once in a while. Okay. And then we've got at least one more example that is actually my favorite. Sean, what was the other one that got taken down? Oh, that would have been the uh, fighters who lied their way to legendary. That was uh, a a bunch of uh, MMA fighters uh, who weren't actually MMA fighters uh, who just like went on the internet and said, hey, I'm the grand champion of like the combat secret league. And uh, anyway, I just collected a whole bunch of information and made fun of them. Uh, I also used a few real examples. Uh, One of them was, I think, the person who sent the takedown notice, uh, Frank Dukes, who was the the person who the real story of Bloodsport was based on, who... Bill Bloodsport. I was making the point, probably uh, did not go to China and fight in a secret underground tournament, and was also not a super ninja or a secret spy. That's it. I just didn't buy it. But Probably. It, but apparently he is. And so uh, he sent the takedown notice. Well, you, can't, you can't prove that. <laughs> I couldn't prove so, that he wasn't a secret spy. Yes. Now, this one I don't have much to say about because it's my position before until like the very end. I was at a step below where stuff on this level happened. Like I didn't mm-hmm. actually know about takedown matters usually until after the fact when the writer would tell me about it or someone, would, a fan would just ask me, hey, what happened to this article? I'd be like, I right. don't know. There's probably something you're doing wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> because, and I think it was because I definitely didn't hear about this when it occurred. Uh, occurred uh, sean i only know about this because for you telling me the story so i didn't yeah. see the letter or anything i don't know oh, okay. like i like yeah, does this guy have ex- people like he's not he doesn't have he's not like famous is he see he have like a oh he's an ace lawyer too he um is kind of litigious there was this movie called the quest with uh jean-claude van damme that was more or less blood sport again uh and uh, it apparently based on that high. Yeah, it had a story by credit by Frank Dukes. So apparently, Frank Dukes and Jean Claude Van Damme hung out and wrote this movie together, which again was just Bloodsport. And he sued Jean Claude Van Damme for like half of the gross, like a, a, an obscene amount of money for a story by credit. Whereas forty two dollars. Uh, Jason could speak to this better than me, but like, yeah, I, I would imagine a story by credit is somewhere in like the low four figures yes. at best. Uh, Basically, you sat down with a guy for a night and sort of spitballed the story. And so he said that, no, he has a document that proves it, but it got burned up in a fire. And the, the fire was like the secret attic fire that only burned like a one box of documents. And so it was a sp- suspicious story that does not lend to his credibility. And um, I think they settled out of court. I think this is another example of how like just being an aggressive and litigious asshole like kind of pays off. Like you can make it so people don't make fun of you. You can... Steal money from Jean-Claude Van Damme? Whatever. Like a monster? That's the moral of today's uh, episode, is that uh, go be an unethical monster, and um, it, sometimes it'll work out for you. Okay, how did this reach you, though? Did did they did the article just come down, or were you notified? Like, oh, did it, just, it go... I, some fans wrote in and said, like, hey, the article's down. I didn't think anything of it until I got, like, three or four more, and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And then I think uh, I did email Jack, and... He either didn't remember who did it or he pretended not to remember. Because I'm like, which one of those fighters told you to take the article down? And he's like, oh, I don't remember. And I was like, it's got to be Frank Dukes. You'd remember Frank You'd Dukes. You'd remember Frank Dukes. It sucks because it's, and this is not, 
it, it's I, I don't have no idea whose decision it was. That's no one. Please, no one get mad at, at Jack, who was. I, I would not be here without Jack. Brockway would not be here. Uh, nobody's getting mad at Jack. Jack's the best. It's yeah, nobody. Nobody who's ever worked with Jack with Jack is mad at Jack I, that I can fathom. If they are, it's their fault. We're um, mad at the people yeah, picking on Jack. He had, Jack did not own the website. He was you know the editor for a giant company, and then they he does you know if they tell him hey take it down, Jack's like. No, they'll just go into CMS and take it down. Like, it's not like it's not like he he can strap himself to the building, like chain himself to the walls. Like, no, you will not bulldoze this article. It's like, oh no, we it's gone. It's and if he, he did, was being, it, just, it didn't work. If he wasn't being honest with me about like remembering who sent in the takedown notice, it's probably just to protect me from Frank Duke's secret spy ninja. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would have been absolutely dead by now. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So, but it, yeah, but this is. This one of all the ones we saved this one for last. I assume this is the last one. I say this one last because this one bugs me more than any of the others, and it's mm-hmm. one I don't know the details on. I shouldn't know the. De- There's no reason for me to know the details on it. It's not how this works. You get the thing from this guy or this guy pretending to be his own lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, and then you. That's it. You take it down. He threatens the lawsuit. The company says, "A, this this." Um, this this comedy article you written that's now getting three hundred twenty seven uh, hits a day. Just just take it down. Just, just the, the guy complained. Take it down, and that's it. Like the, like there was probably like no discussion. Like uh-huh. it doesn't even occupy the legal team's time. You just you get it. You take it down. Mm-hmm. That bugs me because th- those of you who are tuning into this podcast who have never heard of Sean Baby before, you got to be at least one person. Like you, like you're following this link from my Twitter or whatever. Why not? Hi, Sean's. I'm a beat. delight. Part of what Sean may, has made Sean famous is he covers a very ultra-specific beat. He covers several ultra-specific beats. My <laughs> okay. favorite is the fact that MMA fighters and people in the fighting world and people who claim to be martial artists and world-class fighters, a huge percentage of them are crazy uh-huh. and actually cannot fight and are yeah. just lying about it. There's an even magic. They believe in magic. They claim to have learned. There's this thing where people cannot simply say, you know, yeah, a lot of it is just about, you know, strength and reflexes and leverage. And, you know, there's basically some tried and true techniques. Everyone has to claim they have discovered like the Vulcan neck pinch. Yeah. Like the part of the human anatomy that somehow doctors have never noticed (laughs) and that, that their fighting technique is the one that's going to let you win. I'm going to let people in on it. I'm going to pull the curtain it's back. It's the prostate. Yeah, it's the prostate. <laughs> <laughs> to come full circle. I want to pull the curtain back for a moment. I have not been in a fight since third grade. And I, I, I lost. Oh, Sean, you, you have been in multiple altercations since I mean, that time. I, I like in sparring matches. I don't think I've like hit anybody out of anger since like 10th grade. But No, but you have. you are a trained... A fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do You're a train fighter. Uh huh. Little jiu-jitsu. Would you say if if I had access to all of the fighting knowledge in, on Earth, every book on the subject ever written, mm-hmm. but only one week to train, <laughs> is there anything I could learn in those books that would let me defeat you in a fight? Oh, I mean, if you like. Dressed very convincingly like a beautiful woman, like Bugs Bunny style grift. I think that could work. But uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but I mean, Does, I like my chances. If if you only have a week of training, then yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, Keep in mind, I, I cannot I cannot run on a treadmill for two miles before I get gassed and I have to stop. I, I don't think it would be responsible to set this fight up, but uh, I'd let you get some good shots in. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't like you know punk you out or anything. I you know, yeah, people would look at it and say those two gentlemen fought. Like uh, but, you know, but, but there's not a book buried yeah, in I win, some I win that library fight. in the Himalayas. That would show me something I can do to your body that no, would just incapacitate I, you that somehow no one has ever discovered up till now. Okay. There is an entire industry of martial artists and <laughs> fighters who claim right. that they've got the equivalent of that. And it is amazing. It like, is a, 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 just a wonderful nonsense, provable nonsense. Like I can knock a guy out by like not touching them. Like is it is a genre of book I own. And, and it's my favorite <laughs> When they forget that it's that it's provable it fake, that it only works when the other person is in on it. Because they do forget every once in a while, yes. and then somebody actually hits them, and they go, "Oh right, oh shit, I've been I've been eating my own bullshit this whole time." <laughs> That's the thing about uh, like when you train to fight, like the first couple hundred times you get hit in the head, like completely shuts your brain off, like you forget what you're doing. And like, what's funny is when you see those like fake martial artists, like get into a, you know, a semi real, like competitive fight, you can see that happen. You're like, oh, they look like I did the, the first year I was training. Like, look at him. He doesn't know where he is. It's, uh, yes. And I, I made an article. I wrote a column about the, the movie Roadhouse mm-hmm. where I touched on something that I feel like everybody knows but doesn't really stop to think about which is that in martial arts movies you're watching two dancers right that's not an insult it's a dance it's choreographed like like the blocks and the kicks are the partner is cooperating with your blocks and your kicks yeah that if you actually then watch an mma fight it does not look like that it's it's like two people just like now hugging and now one guy's on the ground and his arm is broken it's like oh that didn't that didn't look like neo fighting agent smith at all it's almost like keanu reeves and the other guy nobody did a flip in this yeah (laughs) it's almost like they had to practice for six months to make sure they did not accidentally hit each other in the wrong way yes Uh, and this this changed everybody's life when the ufc came out it was 1993 we all saw that who grew up with karate and it just instantly everyone with a brain was like, holy shit, I don't know anything. And everybody who didn't have a brain was like, this is not real. My style would work here because they have they're not allowed to bite, whereas in my style, we could bite and that's how I would win. And like th- there was like a, you know, a shattering of minds on this one side of the, uh, the thinking. Yes, that's that's so just what it, happened. So they kept writing books that are that don't work. Like you can still go buy an Aikido book, despite the fact that there's never been like an Aikido fighter who had a professional career. Like it's just not a it's just not a thing. Oh it, man, you just got us so sued by Aikido. <laughs> Steven Seagal's coming after us again. But to bring this all the way back around, Sean had written this beautiful article chronicling some of the biggest, most flamboyant liars right. in the history of professional fighting. And to see the, each of these guys, like, because they wrote like entire fake biographies, yeah. right? Wikipedia and then they would get in Wikipedia battles where people would correct it and they'd correct it back. And yeah, sagas. 
So the idea that one of these guys, one of these fabulous, could then send what well, if we had a copy of the the letter they sent the takedown i'm going to speculate that it probably is hilarious yeah i wish that had they one. can that they can send that and that i know that nine out of ten organizations that publish comedy stuff would respond by by just taking it down mm-hmm. is heartbreaking to me and this yeah. is why and here I, I'm here to bring down the vibe. It's legitimately heartbreaking because it, that's a piece of comedy. That is someone who deserves to be skewered. But you let me bring the vibe really... back up. Uh, you can actually read this article on 1900hotdog.com. I like not only uh, remastered the article, but I went and I tracked all the people down today to see like what they're up to. Uh, most of them in prison. But uh, but yeah, that's there's a happy that ending was, to that one. This was all me leading up to that fact that it, <laughs> it has a new home now. And if you go read it and see Sean, whatever criticisms you may have of, of Sean, I'm sure he has many, many flaws. No, he is not a lazy, right. he is not a lazy writer. Like if, if he has taken you down, Sean as he exists now, not in 1999, you have, he has put the work in. Like he has, okay. he has deconstructed what is wrong with you in a way that I would like to think even the target would say, you know what? Fair, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I, well, that's my problem. I've been trying to put my finger on it. I am a ridiculous person and I now I'm actually glad someone has alerted me to this fact. It, I, it is if you truly are in a position where if this guy were to turn up at your door at the one nine hundred compound tomorrow if he's still alive is the guy still alive which one frank dukes the guy yeah the guy who we oh, think sent uh, the takedown. i think so the, the, can't if, prove it <laughs> if he turns up at the hot dog compound tomorrow morning threatening to threatening to you to take it down again uh <laughs> in the it, you would be able to laugh in his face i hope i hope that's true i hope that his only recourse would be to send like one fake lawyer increasingly desperate and poorly worded fake lawyer letter after another and you could just keep posting them to the yeah. site as content but if i if did so, hear him coming I, that couldn't be frank dukes <laughs> <laughs> if i go to the front door and see a man there oh he's already inside ninja uh, after image decoy, <laughs> decoy jutsu <laughs> i have uh one story i wanted to tell where i was actually on the other side of everything we're talking about oh. All right, it was me with a team of powerful lawyers at my back, and it was fucking awful. It was it was way worse. It was way worse than having the lawyers come after you. As I, I real quick, I just worked with this site called uh, Adam. It was Adam Films at the time, and they wanted to launch a comedy section, so I launched a comedy section for them. I, I wrote stuff for them. This was when I was writing for Crack, but before I had the column. So, two thousand eight. 2007 something like that and uh they were owned by viacom so they had more money than they knew what to do with and their uh their editor was just i I don't want to say he's a coked out guy he had some real nervous energy okay and he would (laughs) i would i would turn in a draft of a column and he would call me without fail after midnight and he would have a very tired lawyer or three on the phone and they would make me read my jokes to them every single (laughs) one to this team of lawyers and Amazing. then they would talk to me about like 
everything that was wrong with the joke and like force work with me as we rephrased oh no every single line of it until it was legally acceptable and uh it's incredible and I, i have a couple oh please i have a couple where i have my original version and then what they made me go with because here's the crazy part it's never what you'd think. <laughs> okay, can you give me a second to brace myself? Because I have to keep my depression at bay. And when I can feel something that's about to trigger my depression, I have to get myself into a mental space where I can I can handle it. So no, just I think me... this is good. I think this is a lighthearted thing to, to bring <laughs> This is going to make me feel. I mean, it was torture I, to I can... me. It was, it was <laughs> okay. a hellish period in my life that, uh, that just probably gave me an ulcer. But uh, to you, it should be a good time. <laughs> okay. Can we do anything yeah. to help, Jason? You want me no, to sing you a song? It's, uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead and sing you a song. All right. <laughs> okay, now, there's one thing you can do. Can you do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression? Oh, yeah, Jason. No trouble. I was there the whole time in the sex tape, brother, watching the Hulkster go at it with Miss Elizabeth, waiting on that top rope to drop this big elbow right as he climaxes, but the Hulkster does not climax, brother. (laughs) Wait, wait, Uh, wait. This is not a joke. Isn't Miss Elizabeth dead? I... They're all dead. So am Everybody I, brother. Dead. <laughs> no wrestler lives past 35, even the women. It's all wrestling tragedy. Jesus Christ. All roads lead to darkness. <laughs> all right, fine. Do you think <laughs> that, that, that didn't help at all? I'm sorry, Jason, but it didn't help bring you up. <laughs> all right. Is all right, Hulk even still alive? He is. Technically. Yes. So is The Undertaker. Uh, all right. The original I, I wrote, I was talking about Jack Palance in a in a my favorite piece. Uh, it was about Oscar controversies, and they specifically asked me to write it to capitalize on the SEO of the Oscars <laughs> uh, because that's how people who don't write think of writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they asked me to write this piece, and then called the lawyers on me, and we had. I want to say a five-hour phone call. I want to say it was probably like 11 to 4 in the morning. Jesus Christ. Where I had to read things like this to them. Uh, my line was, you know Jack Palance from roles like terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger or terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger in space. Love it. This is just a fun way to introduce yeah. him. That's fun. So then the lawyers got a hold of it and they turned it into Jack Palance. A man whose acting diversity runs from terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger to terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger in space. They had a problem with the intro. Wow. Why? Not with calling Jack Palance a terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger. What? Okay, did wow. they Glad explain the Oh, of course. The logic? I, that, that, was, that, was, that was most of this. The, the logic here was that I said, you know Jack Palance from roles like. Huh. And they were convinced that nobody would know the roles terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger and terrifying skeletal cowboy whoremonger in space were jokes. They would think those were actual Jack Palance roles and I could get sued for saying, making a false statement about Jack Palance. Incredible. I I like it because it is just, uh, just fussing. Like, I, I, I think your version is better. Can you imagine how, how it's so exactly the same thing? Just like a little bit of fussier wording. 
Right, they let the worst part stay, yeah. but we had to talk for like probably, uh, probably no exaggeration, like 10 minutes about that line <laughs> until they could tell me what the problem was and how to like phrase it. And it made the same joke slightly more awkward. Yeah, it still, it still works, but it, but that probably cost uh, 10 minutes. That's, that's two or 300 bucks of lawyer money. Like, yeah, do, do you, right, see, like, you imagine though. how much money they made from me? Just, <laughs> so just me personally. I paid them like, got to be in the millions of dollars for this team of lawyers. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know I should be laughing at this. I'm just sitting here making myself mad. So please, go, because I know, I know what they did. They made the change because they had to justify the billing. Because oh, uh, yeah. if they just rubber stamped it, it's like, well, right. what do I need lawyers for? So they needed to, it needed to look like they had done something. Yes. And this is what I'm saying that you about the, if you ask your lawyers like, hey, we got this take that thing. Can you just knock out a quick thing? To, it's like, oh, no, before we, we can't just knock out something. We need to have a call about it. Mm-hmm. So please clear your schedule from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> and we'll have all seven of us on the call, each of us billing $300 an hour to talk through these issues. And if you say, oh, no, 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 it's just a quick, it's just, it's it's clearly like frivolous. Just It's like, surely there's like a boilerplate response you can yeah. send out. It's like, oh, no, that doesn't. That doesn't exist in the legal world. That's being a lawyer is a license to print money. Anyway, I'm seeing you know, I'm getting maybe, mad at lawyers. Maybe it okay. would cheer you up if I did a Miss Elizabeth impersonation. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can hear a little bit of fry where trying to do Macho Man earlier has ruined Sean Baby's voice a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I and can't see the struggle to do the woman's voice because I can hear that. Because if anyone <laughs> listeners try to do Macho Man for a couple minutes, you will break down into a coughing fit. Mm-hmm. How, how he did it. Every day, all day, the entire, every minute he was awake for 50 straight years, I'll, I'll never know. Oh, he's a legend. What's, what's it you? is what killed him. Yeah. It's what killed him, yeah. He just died from doing the voice too much. I'm going to I'm gonna end my little bit on, uh, on the one time, well, yeah, no, the one time that I feel like, you know what, they were probably right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you their revised version first, which is in the intro of a, a piece about Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando has always been, to put it politely, the iron-fisted ruler of Crazy Town. The original version that I gave them was, Marlon Brando is the diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain. <laughs> we all know this. And I had to, I had to sit there at like one o'clock in the morning and tell a lawyer, Marlon Brando is the diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain. And then just wait for this long sigh. Jesus. So their concern was that the 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 reader would think you were stating he literally held that title. Mm-hmm. I was saying that, yes. I was saying he is the actual diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain. And we all know this. For but anyone you don't want to get there, sued by the actual diaper king. Anyone out there confused, America's libel laws, at least once upon a time, actually extremely difficult. To win a ruling. It is actually very, very hard to prove it. If anything said in the course of an essay that's clearly comedy, it's next to impossible. Mm-hmm. It's next because you've set a tone like this has been this is precedent. You have set a tone that's clear comedic exaggeration. No, anyone, any comedy writers out there to be legally protected, 
you do not have to worry about phrasing where you have stated something true about someone where it is very obvious to any reasonable person that no, it's actually right. not true. And even if it was true, like if someone mistook it for true, that's actually, if there were such a mountain, that would be a proud title to have. <laughs> so, <laughs> no one could argue that that would be like detrimental to that person's right. reputation or career to mistakenly believe that they are, and then say the exact phrase, the, the title you claim they held. The Diaper King of, uh, Diaper King Bugfuck, of Mountain. Bugfuck Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Very prestigious. The, the advice Brockett was getting there is not real legal advice. That is a lawyer feeling like they have to say something. Yes. But no. It got to the point where I would do shit that I knew. I mean, because I knew these calls were every time. It was one of these calls. And I would put shit in there that I knew probably wouldn't stay in the article, but I just wanted to, I don't know, like push something so far that maybe the lawyer would laugh. Mm -hmm. And I really thought Diaper King of Bugfuck Mountain was going to do it. And it but did. They didn't I give you the laugh. laugh out of those guys. It haunts me to this day. Man. It's my greatest failure <laughs> as a man. I loved it. I, I would be so proud if I got sued for Diaper King of Bugfuck Mountain. <laughs> It would be called because the people versus diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain. That's what, that's what we would refer to the case as. People would cite it later, like the people versus Larry Flint, which is sort of what Jason was referring to. Uh, that the the famous case that sort of said, "Hey, if 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 you're being funny and everyone knows you're being funny, you can say whatever the fuck you want." Uh, that's that would replace that. People would call it people versus uh, diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain. I do, and I've made, once again, made someone's podcast run twice as long as it normally does. <clears throat> Here's one thing I would like to, to, to leave you with. Because let's say, for example, because once upon a time, Cracked, the publication, was a tiny little magazine in, like, what, it started in 1960, something like that. It was just a few guys, right? Like, a, with a printing press, and then it eventually got big, and then, and then you know, decades later, it became a totally unrelated website. But once upon a time... Cracked, the magazine, was exactly like 1-900-HOT-DOG, right? It was a few funny people in a small, smelly office just putting, putting together something that eventually caught on. So, 20 years from now, imagine that 1-900-HOT-DOG has become an empire that is making tens of millions of dollars for everyone involved. It's pu publicly traded... <laughs> can can you imagine getting to a point where of the hundreds of pieces of content you're you're turning out as one of your under one of your subsidiaries you too have a legal team that is racking up many hours by making some writer <laughs> read their jokes <laughs> One line at a time I I while they imagine. steadily ruin them because no one starts out wanting, wanting to wind up there, but it, it, it feels like one by one, they all, you know, because I, I would think, I don't know, it's the same thing like Saturday night live. If they like, you don't think they've got legal people to look at every one of their sketches mm -hmm. and stuff in advance, making sure there's nothing there that's going to actually get them in trouble. Like you see how tame their stuff is. Like the comedians, you don't think they could go harder than that if they wanted to. But it, you know, again, that first year when everybody was just on cocaine, do you think that's the show they wanted to make? It's like, no, over time you grow until it's it's like, I don't know. It, it, I guess you just get hurt so many times that you just build up all these defenses. It was like, I'm not getting sued again. 
Yeah, yeah. Can you see a day coming like when you're both in your 70s <laughs> and 1900 hot dog has gotten so big and said that you just you you have become the careful lumbering like dinosaur that that we now bemoan? I feel I feel like that's so close to impossible that it's funny. Like <laughs> like it's just like there's no way that I would allow a team of lawyers to rewrite a joke to be worse. And I, I could stand by that. If you ever catch me doing that, just shoot me in the head because some, some sort of a, a mold has taken over my brain. I'm no longer the man you once knew as Sean, baby. But you know, you know who else said that exact same thing when he was young and brash? Macho man Randy Savage. No, no. It's the one other voice you can do. <laughs> uh, an edgy young com- comedian known as Dennis Miller. <laughs> And that that brain fungus That's is called true. fifty million dollars <laughs> in a mansion that you live in when you are God. when you have no reason to care when street cred means means nothing to you when it's like in a video game where you've been you've got enough hours in it that the game currency doesn't mean anything because you have so much of it that you can just buy anything. It's it's like the idea of people thinking you're uncool or, or needing to have some sort of integrity is like so distant. Which wrestler was it that had to film like that apology to China this week? <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh. Yeah, John Cena. Yeah, because he actually, Sean, he accidentally said in an interview that that uh, Tai that uh, Taiwan is a country. Oh, right, right. Yeah, and uh, and, and so he had to film yeah. an apology in Chinese. Stating yeah, he does. That he speaks course, good Mandarin. Uh, yeah, uh, because once you, because. Once you reach his level of wealth and riches, like the idea of losing a, a deal for the the Chinese distribution rights to the whatever right. Fast and Furious, whatever movie he's in, is unthinkable. Uh, <laughs> then you find yourself apologizing to the yeah the, to the totalitarian China, yeah. Chinese government for admitting that that Taiwan yeah. is a separate. Your imagination country. goes to dark places. Like to be able to think like. A person could become Dennis Miller a second time in a human generation. It's just, it's so dark. <laughs> because, well, that's because we have his example now. Like, yes. like so we can. <laughs> so you can tell young comedians like a monster story. <laughs> Careful, you'll end up like Dennis Miller. <laughs> can we see a picture of his house that he just sold? No, that's not part of the story. You're, you're missing the point. That is the path to darkness. Go go back go back to writing articles for twenty six dollars for for whatever website will still take them, and at least hire some funny fucking lawyers. Instead of um, the diaper king of Bugfuck Mountain, what about the iron fisted ruler of Nutso Town? <laughs> zoinks! Could we add the zoinks? You know what bothers me the most about that? And again, we're, we're heading into the third hour of this podcast. Perfect. What bothers me the most is that that is a lawyer who thinks he's a comedian. Yes. Anybody could do it. <laughs> and it who thinks anybody can do this job. I can. Well, let me get in on I feel like maybe he came to that conclusion after like three months of me reading my stuff to him. And he's just like, <laughs> I could fucking do yeah, this. Yeah, seems easy. Why do they need a comedy department at all? Just go straight, cut out the middleman, have the lawyers write it. Therefore, you know it's safe, <laughs> and it's exactly as funny. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, yeah the the curse of the because it, and again I I'm, I'm not calling it any specific person, 
you run a comedy website, you have people who are not part of the comedy operation, mm-hmm. but they see that as like the cool part of the operation. Right. And sometimes they have their own ideas for like an article you should write. They're usually not, not great. They mean, well, these people are lovely people, but usually their ideas like, you know what you should do? You should do something on this. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the- that's a full idea already. All right. Well, before we go, Jason, do you have anything you'd like to plug, please? Only the one thing forever, because uh, I, I, my full-time job, I guess, is I'm just a, a podcast guest now. But otherwise, once every two years, a novel comes out. So, Well, yeah, we love having you, except when you say we're going to become Dennis Miller. And then that's when it turns bad. I am the ghost of Christmas future here to <laughs> steer you away from that. Oh, thank you. The last book was called Zoe Punches the Future in the Deck. It is a sci-fi novel. Look at the user ratings on Amazon. Don't take my word for it. Of course, I will say it's good. Of course, Brockway and Sean will say it's good because they're terrified of me. <laughs> read, what, read what strangers have said about it. It's very well thought of. The next book comes out next year. Do not have a title yet. It is the fourth uh, book in the John, the John Dies the End series. Well, thank you for coming. And... Um... Stick around. We'll do a uh, a fun game on the bonus podcast. Buy a Popsicle Pete t-shirt, everybody. Sean will not advertise this during the show because he, he feels like it's in poor, poor taste. <laughs> buy, buy, the, buy the shirt. It's why we'll never become Dennis Miller. Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. Einstein, Hunter, Frankfurt. One nine hundred hot dog wages war with the help of an elite fighting squad. On demolitions, it's Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, Adrian H, Aiden Moet, Alpha Sciences Chavo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranen, Brandon Garlock, Brianne Whitney, Chase McPherson, Children of the Meat Millie, Dan Bush, the artist formerly known as Devin, David Forn of Dean Costello, Doctor Awkward. Eric Spaulding, Haraka, Jaber Al Aiden, Jamie Gordon, Jeremy Neal, John, John McCammon, Josh Fabian, and Josh S. Ken Paisley, Lyman, Matt Cortez, Matt Riley, Michael Rader, Mike Stiles, Moju, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H., Polly Poisewo, Rhea, Rich Joslin, Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Yosarian, Zachary Evans, and Zadarfan. On communications, intelligence, tactical, the vehicle pool, and karate research, it's Patrick Herbst, who has just requested a transfer to demolitions. <laughs>